You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Text Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with our end of the year podcast, I guess, at this point. Yeah, every uh, year we end up doing kind of like how we achieved our goals last year, how we did, and kind of set new goals moving forward. So I was listening to our last year's podcast, I mean, where we just got crushed in 2022, and loving that this one should be more upbeat. Uh, So this one actually, as far as I was looking at it, I kind of killed it in the the goals department this year. Nice. Well, I do. I do. Didn't you set some of the goals as being to play on a live stream? And I mean that you crushed that like in the first month. Yeah, I was actually going to give a shout out to uh, Champions because I don't achieve those goals without Champions, and a shout out to Red Chip Poker because I probably don't achieve a lot of the goals without them. But uh, yeah, one was the live streams, and I mean there was a while I was doing. I think I did maybe five or six this year, uh, all on Champions, and even commentated on one. Oh, yeah, I thought you might have even done more. I mean, it seemed like you just endlessly on there. Uh, Yeah, I was doing it almost every week for a good while. Uh, My Thursdays got taken up, so I kind of had to – I haven't done one in a while. But, like I say, it was nice to have a goal for a long time and then kind of achieve it just getting on on those. So it was a – it's just cool to kind of – and it was a whole cool experience and everything. If if you have not done a live stream – uh, Champions runs like a Thursday, like one three, and I would encourage anybody to uh, probably look at doing that. It does play pretty deep for a one three. What I think is really cool about you playing on the live stream was that you got to play on it as like a final table to tournaments. I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, I didn't even think about that one, and that's that was a, that was the one that I just did. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I mean, you played on quite a few. It seemed like I think, I mean. Playing on a final table turn. Well, I guess you did that at Paramount, though. I watched you play one at Paramount back in the day. That was a long time ago and not a really good quality one. So kind of different this time, I think. Yeah, and bigger tournament, obviously. So yeah, Uh, so yeah, you're right. That was that was a really cool experience. So did a whole bunch of cash games and then final tabled the uh, the Champions tournament. So let's say and all were very cool experiences. I definitely uh, suggest anybody try it out. There's goods and bads of doing it on the live stream. Uh, there were a couple ga- games I did not run very well, and then there was one that I would have had I think the biggest win ever on a cash game, and then got hit on the last hand. But uh, from your live stream experience, what do you think? Do you think players play looser or tighter on live streams? Ever now that you've played quite a few, I've only I haven't played that many cash games uh, on stream. I think far looser. Think so. Okay, I was always like debating if you thought people played tighter just because they didn't want to make mistakes. I think everybody's very concerned about giving like a good game and not seeming like the nit at the table and having a V-pip that's kind of crazy. Because it ran, it ran through my head of like, I don't want to see my V-pip if I go card dead at like 8% or something. I think when I played on <laughs> Paramount's live stream, my V-pip was like 3%. <laughs> I played like three hands or something, something ridiculously low. I won with like set to like top pair and then I was like, well, let's just shut this down. Well, if you're nine-handed and you go card dead, it kind of is what it is. Uh, 
I mean, I do try to loosen it up a little bit for the live streams, but you can all, I mean, you, the money is real money, and it's also pretty big, it's decent stakes, so you can't really go crazy with it either. Yeah, well, it does seem like the live streams are always kind of, definitely bigger than the average game, so. Well, that was one of my reasons for wanting to do it, is those are kind of where the bigger games are around the Houston area. I mean, Champions live streams are pretty big, uh... And even like when Prime was doing, I don't know if Prime is still doing it or not. It seems like I haven't seen it in a while, but that was like a 5-5. Five, five. It's just a lot of the bigger games were there. So that was kind of a mix, not just wanting to be on, you know, t YouTube playing. Although that was a cool experience too. That was definitely part of it. Uh, but just getting in those bigger games that are a little bit more splashy. Uh, but I mean, as far as that, a uh, huge goal hit there. My hourly... Last year, the year before this, it was the worst year I've ever had for poker. It was like $8 an hour. My goal was to hit 25 an hour for poker. I actually ended up making like a little over $40 an hour. Playing nice poker. So that was a really, really good. Uh, the cash game, I didn't quite get it just in cash. I, cash was like twenty three fifty. So it was kind of close to, uh, but kind of close to there. I was, I'm pretty happy with uh, achieving that goal. So the, those goals were were a huge step as far forward as well. Nice, right? Always nice to be able to. And then I, you also played a ton of hours too, right? So that was really nice. I was kind of shocked because about middle of the year, everybody heard on the podcast, I ended up getting a second job. And it really affected how many hours I was playing. I guess because I had those deep runs in tournaments, it like factored into how many hours I played. Because I wanted to play 15 hours a week. I did not think I was going to get anywhere near that. Uh, ended up uh, getting almost 14 and a half hours a week. So that was, I would not have thought it, but that is what it averaged out to for the week, for the uh, year. So that was really good. Yeah, well, I guess you were really crushing at the beginning of the year, though, right? Whenever we first moved over here. It was, uh, yeah, uh, as everybody remembers, I, like who listened to this podcast, I was getting hammered uh, the year before last big time. I had kind of an upswing in November, December, and then it just kept crushing like through the first of the year and then got a bunch of hours playing in those because I was playing in the private game, I think still was going on maybe. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely that was going on at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So that was almost every Thursday. And mm -hmm. then any days on top of that. It, yeah, before I was working the second job, I was actually getting a ton of hours. So I guess it I might have been just so far ahead that it sent me back to schedule. Maybe. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, because I, I remember at the beginning of the year, we were talking that you were going to have, like, I mean, infinite hours at that rate. Because you were playing, what, four or five days a week, a ton of hours, so... Yeah, that is true. I wasn't really factoring that into it, but I bet, well, yeah, I was really ahead of schedule and just ended up, uh, like, even after I kind of cut down quite a bit, ended up being able to hit my goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, me, I came, fell so short of my hourly goal. I mean, what's it, I probably played one-fifth the poker I played the year before, probably even less, just with, you know, life going on, poker not really taking a priority anymore of kind of a backseat, you know, kind of getting other things in order kind of thing. So I really suffered. And then what really hurt was at the end of the year, 
went on a huge downswing of losing, you know, multiple thousands of dollars to then make the year negative, which is very rare, right? But, I mean, that's the nature of not playing any poker and then going on a downswing right at the end. That's really hurtful. Because, uh... I mean, for the longest I was doing great. And then I think like my last five or six sessions just went, I mean, so negative. That's really hurtful. But I, I think that as we kind of start setting goals for next year, it kind of like, I was thinking about that because I was thinking about the hour set and everything. And there's just certain times where it's not like you actually miss out on a goal. Like you, I mean, it's one thing if you don't get the hours in because you're playing Call of Duty and just like, you know, just jacking around. But there's another time where life gets in the way and just your priorities change. So I don't, like not all of it that's actually missing out on a goal. Sometimes your priorities just change in life. So I think that's might be part of your uh, not hitting those hours too. No, I mean, huge part of it. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, well, this is one that is just, I mean, inexcusable <laughs> for not hitting this goal. I mean, I don't know what to say other than just me being lazy. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I did have one goal of doing Jonathan's Little's master's class, tournament master class, and just completely didn't do it. I mean, just, I mean, I think I got introduction done. But, but since, uh, Lately, we've been watching those YouTube videos. What's it called? That poker video that we've been uh, watching? It's the new Poker After Dark. A Game of Gold. Game of Gold. Okay. We've been watching that and like seeing people play like really that heads up. Um, uh, like kind of turn it like, well, basically, if you haven't seen Game of Gold, definitely check that out. It's a pretty cool series. It's on YouTube all for free. Um, really made me want to tr play tournaments. So I actually went to... Um, one of the daily tournaments and played one this week and I actually had a pretty good time. So I think I'm going to start trying to hit that up. Just maybe just kind of enjoy playing again. Uh, weirdly enough, that's the same kind of goal of mine. Oh, and don't get me wrong. Like for those who tune in for, because you like cash games, I still will probably be playing 80% cash games, but the tournaments, I, I'm going to start uh, feeling out like about maybe 10 to 20% tournaments too. Uh, they're just so soft around Texas. And to me, I've always enjoyed them more. If you can, if and I think they are beatable at a pretty good rate. Well, I have a goal that you hit that you put, that you didn't even set, but definitely an achievement for the year is getting on the Hendon Mom. That's pretty sweet. That's true. Yeah, I didn't even put uh, have that as a goal, but yeah, it should be on the Hendon Mob from the Texas Card House final table. Yeah, that that's a pretty cool one. That's definitely a pretty big achievement for the year. Yeah, I, like you say, uh, the, this year just went swimmingly well. Uh, the two final tables at two gig pretty big tournaments was pretty huge, and with one actually cashing into the Hendon Mob was really nice. So that was like I say the I can't have the only goals I really didn't hit was the travel one. Like I didn't do hardly any of that. Uh, but well, that, luckily that wasn't one of my goals, so I crushed that. Well, good job. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not we'll, traveling. We'll, we'll definitely give you that. That's never going to be one of your goals <laughs> as long as I know you. Uh, so I didn't do that, but everything else was pretty good. Uh, so your goals for next year, maybe more tournaments. That'd be pretty cool. I mean, it's definitely my my short term goal right now, just because I've kind of that tournament. I guess we'll go over it, you know, a few hands here in a little bit. But 
you know, that tournament definitely kind of, I don't know, maybe sparked a fire, at least short term. Okay, that's a that's a good one. Uh, what other what other goals for this coming year? <laughs> I mean, play more than I played this year, which should be super easy. Could almost knock it out in a month. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, so volume. Okay, give me give me like out. What what do you think's a good like hours for the week volume? I, like they say, whenever you set goals, it's supposed to be specific, and you're more likely to hit them. I mean, I set super specific goals last year, and guess what? As soon as this podcast got uploaded, I forgot all about it. No, trust me. <laughs> we know. Uh, I don't know. I think I should say something more reasonable. <laughs> Maybe. Well, you only put, put 10 hours a week yeah, last I know. Week. Apparently, it was impossible. Last year. And I'll it, tell you what. Not even close. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, maybe I'm more of a four to two hour kind of guy. Uh, I don't maybe, know. Maybe so. <laughs> I mean, setting any of those goals just seems silly. But... <laughs> uh, Right now, the goal is like once a week kind of guy, especially now that I'm moving in a few weeks. So now, all of a sudden, that drive is going to be a little bit more. Uh, Yeah, depending on where you play play at, it could be kind of tougher. I mean, definitely, I'm definitely the good limited. rooms. Definitely the good rooms are going to be a little bit more of a drive. Any room is going to be a drive from where I'm moving, so... Yeah, it's, I was about it's, to say, I'm like, what do you mean? Well, where no, I, I was, there was one up on 290. I, I was thinking maybe that one. Well, yeah, but that's still pretty good drive compared to all my other situations previously, where I've played tons of hours, like oh. in the last few years. Oh, true. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, I know for you, who you drive hours to play. I mean, if I'm driving hours to play, I'm never playing. But I know you have a different level of dedication than me. We'll love this dedication to poker, like for somebody who has a poker podcast. Hey, man, anyone can edit videos and upload. <laughs> uh, let me see. Like, I was looking at it. My goals have always been 15 hours a week. Uh, I did hit that this year, but like you say, as things go, like, you're just priorities change. And with me working as much as I am and... Also having some, you know, just light. You just have other things you do in life as well. Uh, me and you work out a lot more than we used to. That that's enough. That's like two hours a day is a gone. Well, I mean, uh, definitely. And seems, I mean, it seems like we work out at the worst times for poker. I mean, it seems to just crush every day that we do it. So, so, but that is something I don't want to give up. So, like, like I say, your priorities change a little bit. I think I'm gonna set my goals at about ten hours a week this year. Uh, well, I think if you, um, I want to say kick the habit or like get over that, like quitting once you're down a little bit from your highest point, I think you would crush the hours. That's been a problem with mine. I am. So what I've been trying to do and I've, so I have a big thing of when I'm up, like say I go up $300 and I go back down like to 150, I really want to quit. Even if it's been two hours, cause I'm like, well, $150, if I could guarantee that for this session, I'd be okay with that. Uh, I am looking to, when I go to play, make my session a minimum of a four-hour session. I think that'd be a good good rule or kind of ground rule. Yeah, so it's, and then if I'm, then if I'm up and I want to call it good at that point, then okay, then I can. Oh, if yeah. if I'm down and I want to play more, I, I can't. I mean, you can kind of go from there, but at least it gives me a minimum. I think how Jonathan Little used to say it was like set that time of evaluation. So once you hit that time, then evaluate not just how you want to feel, but like is the game good? Is it a profitable game? How are you feeling? 
right? Do you want to say, do you not want to say set times to evaluate the situation rather than if you're up or down? Yeah. Uh, that's a, yeah, and that's exactly what I kind of, I'm trying to use that four hours because I didn't even know that he, he said that, but, uh, that's definitely what I want to try to do. Uh, so 10, about 10 hours a week. Uh, I guess I would like to make three final tables of decently big tournaments. I mean, it seems reasonable. I mean, you kind of did it this year, right? I, I mean, I did two within two months, but I mean, obviously I mean, various is a huge factor there. <laughs> you did two in two tournaments in a row. <laughs> and let me say, like, when I say decent-sized tournaments, like 50,000 guaranteed or more. Like a daily tournament that has 25 people does not count. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, I was like, I feel like you did that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there's that. Uh, probably, I would like to act my cash game, since my buy-ins have gone up a lot from what they were, uh, just a huge amount from the start of the year. I would like to get my hourly from this year about thirty an hour, which I think is doable. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as your buying increases, yeah, yeah. I mean, it tw- says I average twenty three fifty an hour, and at this point, I would like to. I think thirty an hour is an achievable goal since, like I say, the first part of the year it was definitely like a much lower buy-in than what I'm currently doing. And I am dipping into higher stakes. I'm not really there, but I'm kind of shot-taking. So I think that's achievable. Here's a question. On your tournaments, so whenever you play tournaments, do you take it out of your poker bankroll? Or do you take it out of your checking? Or do you have a a tournament bankroll versus a poker or a cash game bankroll? I take it out of my poker bankroll. Uh, It's one of those things that Ideally, if I can do it, uh, it would be a problem if I was doing a crap load of tournaments, but the tournaments I've done, one is I've been staked for a lot of the buy-ins where it would be tough. Uh, one was the $800 buy-in. Obviously, you had a stake, and a couple other people did, so that made it more doable. Uh, but yeah, it's always come out of my poker bankroll. Yeah, it's not- See, I've always taken out of the checking and just whatever I win, put it back into checking. I haven't done that many tournaments, but now that I'm kind of debating doing more tournaments, I'm kind of wondering if I should use the poker bankroll to fund it and then track it separately on the tracker or... It's probably pretty tough because one, since you're going to probably start out with the daily tournaments, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, Since those are higher ranked, I don't know. I do think they are beatable, so... I think they're actually beatable at a much higher figure than I thought, but it's still kind of limited. But from what I've always heard, it's like, well, tournaments are supposed to be like just 1% of your bankroll when you're doing it. But that's also, I think, when you're doing multi-table tournaments that have like sometimes 500 people in them. Uh, obviously, you're going to hit first a lot more in a 30, 30-person 30 daily tournament. So, I don't know. It's... It'd be close. It's kind of like that when we talk about taking profits out of wins and how to get the poker bankroll part of your checking. You know, it's kind of like trying to find that balance, right? Maybe you just do checking till you Run see out of money. how. Well, until you like kind of see how how you fare. Like, I mean, are you really? Because you really don't want to deplete your entire cash game bankroll on. Because if you lose a cash game bankroll, it's kind of a disaster on something that's not cash game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also known as playing PLO. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
So maybe the checking at the beginning and then just kind of evaluate. <laughs> or do checking until you win a daily tournament. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess you could just start like an, another bankroll for tournaments. I mean, shoot, might as well. They got plenty of money to put in the banks, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, on there. Uh, but yeah, those are the goals for this coming year. Like I say, it could not have been a better year poker-wise for, for me. So, but like I say, also going going to the next year, like I say, priorities are yeah, kind so of you, a changing. So I was about to say you kind of have some things in the works that might be limiting your poker. Oh, I mean, so much. So I mean, you you might have the year that I just had, <laughs> where your poker is more like one fourth the amount that you played this year. Well, I remember like when I was saying like. I think last year I just listened to a podcast. I was like, I want it 15 hours. And you're like, that's going to be hard. And I was like, it's doable. And you're like, it's definitely doable. And I was like, and you're right. Cause it's prior all about priorities. If, the, if you make it your number one priority, then you can get 20, 25 hours a week and that's it. Oh yeah. So, but let's say you also have to manage all your other life expectations. Yeah. It's tough to get groceries if you're at the poker room all day. That's, that's <laughs> rough. But let me uh, let me tell you something about this tournament that I played. Okay. <laughs> so let me tell you a little something what happened to me. Um, so we're playing the daily tournament, right? And I'm just catching all sorts of cards early, and I'm exploitatively raising gigantic and getting called like six ways, with like kings and stuff like that, right? Uh-huh. Like we were playing like one two, and I'm making it like fifteen hundred pre flop stuff like that, and getting called by everyone. I mean, just gigantic, right? Okay. And then just sea betting, kind of taking it down, stuff like that. So I, I accumulate a pretty big stack um, early on, which, you know, is cool, but doesn't really mean that much. Okay. So someone sits down with a brand new stack. The blinds were, what did we say? Was it eight or 600? Or four? Uh, it might you have been just two, said four. one, two. No, no, no. no. Uh, the first hand that I got hit on. It might have been 2-4. That might have been it. It was 2-4. Yeah, yeah, So the blinds were 2-4. Okay. Somebody limps. The next guy makes it 1,000. The guy who just sits down makes it 3,000. I have... Uh, sorry. He has 30,000 effective. I make it 6,000. No. Uh, 8,000. What do you have? Ace-King suited. Okay, so you four bet to eight thousand. Okay, mm-hmm. I can get behind this. Folds back to the guy who three bet. He then um, goes all in. In which you call? I mean, I call. Yeah, yeah. Like there might be an argument at some point folding ace king somewhere, but in a daily tournament where people just play stupid, I definitely can't find an argument for it. Yeah. Well, he had kings and I lost. Uh, <laughs> so that was a bummer. But um. Yeah, so I mean that was so I got knocked my whole starting stack got knocked down, so I was only playing off my profits that I'd won in the earlier part of the tournament. Okay. Um got down to like eight big blind situation. Um ended up getting it all in with Jack Ten suited Jack Ten offsuit first Ace King, Spike of Jack, we're back. Okay. Then then somebody raises someone like goes all in for like three big blinds or something. And I have king, sorry, queen ten suited. Guy calls his all in. I call. 
I flop open-ended with a backdoor flush draw. Okay. Guy checks. I go all in. He folds. I end up spiking a 10 on the river to win. The guy had ace high. How many blinds did you have when you called this three three big blinds? Twenty. Mm, okay, I kind of like this. Okay, I can get behind yeah, that because I yeah, doubled 100%. up my eight, so it was like close, to like um, whether it was close to twenty at the time. I mean, it is kind of weird because it's very weird playing this stack size against a hand that's very easily dominated, mm-hmm. uh, like queen jack. King Queen, Ace Queen. Oh, I mean, I mean, tons Ace of stuff. Ten, King Ten. I mean, there's a lot of. This is gonna get kind of weird because I think you're gonna go out a lot on this hand here, but I don't. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely not caught folding Queen Ten suited here either. So I don't know. It's a. I I definitely like the call. I was thinking you should might be uh, jamming, but definitely definitely not with that many blinds. Yeah, and then. I end up in a very weird hand here. I'm trying to make sure I find it, but I don't have it because I was so annoyed. I ran out of the poker room in tears. Okay. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know what was super awkward for me? What's that? So I'm reading the daily tournament buy-in in the add-on, right? Okay. I read it. I bring just enough for that. I happen to have that much in my wallet. I didn't, like, stop for money. I just happen to have the cash on my wallet that was that exact amount. Okay. I should have $5 extra. I show up. It's more expensive. And I don't have enough for the (laughs) add-on. Because now the buy-in was more expensive. And I don't even have enough to do the minimum buy add-on. That's going to be really rough. If you don't have enough for the minimum add-on. I mean, sometimes that is just detrimental. I I I made a pretty good run, though, after not adding on. That's really good. Yeah, so I thought that was, you know, kind of, I mean, obviously I won <laughs> when I was behind, but it was kind of cool to not add on, to be in for the dead minimum and make a pretty good run. But the hand that took me out, though, two-player or one-player busts were four-handed on a table. Uh, no, uh, we, there were multiple tables. It wasn't final table, but we're, I think we're about to combine. So we're four-handed. I'm under the gun plus one. The under-the-gun guy raises. I then jam for, I think it was five big blinds with king-queen offsuit. Okay. Might have been, no, it was ten. It was exactly ten. That okay. was it. So, But four-handed, under-the-gun uh-huh. raises, I jam for ten big blinds. Goes fold-fold. He then calls the all-in, and he has pocket kings again. Same guy. Oh, God. And knocks me out of the tournament for 10 bigs. Mm, that's just kind of cooler. So, Well, I'm happy to hear that, that like, it's so hard not to be results-oriented, though. Yeah. Like, I'm like, should I ever be jamming there whenever the guy is playing? So, like, last time he raised, he had kings. This time he raised, he has kings. He always has, you know. I mean, like, I, there is probably a certain exploit to, like, if you think somebody is that tight that you should fold. But, I mean... I think in general, like just going by what your strategy, your base strategy is, I think it's a cooler. Yeah, well, and like you and I discussed, like exploitating or being exploitative in these daily tournaments is not exactly what we're going for. Trying to play more proper and just kind of embracing the variance is kind of more what we're hoping for. Yeah, because it's, well, like small exploits, little, but I mean, I think just getting the tournament strategy down in general, because 
when you get that down, then when you go into the higher tournaments, it still applies. I mean, you can't really... I mean, exploiting just people who are just, you know, doing the Learning. craziest shit. Yeah. I mean, you'll get some of those in the bigger tournaments, but they're just not as many. Uh, I'm really interested to see how you like your tournament run. Because it's something I've always thought you would really like. I'll tell you what I don't like. <laughs> Whenever I go all in, they make me turn my hand over. I don't like that. Which is weird, because you turn your hand over when you're bluffing all the time. <laughs> I mean, when when everybody else doesn't turn their hand over, you definitely turn your hand over. <laughs> yeah, well, I like the option. <laughs> uh, well, because you like, you've always been big into strategy. We both like a lot of strategy games and stuff like that. So you're always good on that, which tournaments kind of really dive into. But you've also always had a more gambling streak than I do. Like I would say, I'm more conservative when it comes. I'll take the more the like the less the lines that are a little less variance. Yeah, for sure. Whereas, I mean, it seems like if anybody could embrace the variance of tournaments, it definitely seems like you would. Well, then we can embrace the variance of my poker bankroll. They can handle damn near anything. So oh, okay. well, there we go. <laughs> so, but like I said, excited to see how it goes. Um, there was one other thing. Oh, this is a thing that really um, I noticed being new to the tournament scene is like just how it's so hard to keep track of your stack size, like in correlation to big blinds as the blinds are constantly changing and your stack is constantly changing. I played tournaments for so long. It doesn't even. I did. It didn't even occur to me that that was a thing until you brought it up. I just, I, just having not played that many tournaments before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a. Yeah, it does take some getting used to. Yeah, and then the other one that's a little strange is um. Well, the stack size changing, and then like the ante being in play. How that's gonna change the strategy? I think will be kind of interesting. Yeah, it's a. Uh, well. When I really started diving into the tournaments, because I really, I really studied hard for the last two that I did, it was, I was shocked at how much, like in cash game, the study is all post-flop. There's some pre-flop to it, but... But it's almost automatic kind of thing, right? Like, I mean, you should be able to make your pre-flop decision almost instantly. Exactly. Like, your position is your position versus your cards on your stack size. Uh but in tournaments, there is a ton more. Because, I mean, you got, you have your push-fold range. Well, you have it for every position. You have it for five big blinds, 10 big blinds, 15 big blinds. They're all different. You also have now when you're, the, play, the hands you play is different when you're by position, 20, 40, 60, 80 big, big blinds. So you have all of this going on. And I think a lot of people would be like, they'd find it a little sad to have to study all that. And it is kind of a pain. It does seem like it's going to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> like, and they're right. <laughs> yeah. But when it is, the more factors you put in there, the more edges you're going to find. Because most players are not, most players, a lot of players don't even know what a push-fold chart is, which would be the most basic thing for uh, tournament poker. So I think there's just a ton of edges to be have had in these tournaments. So uh, it is something I'm going to look at doing, and I'm kind of excited to see you going to kind of like at least veering into that route a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, and especially kind of with my new like, um, like not what would it be like lifestyle change or 
whatever. Like it's just because I'm moving, it's gonna. I think the tournaments are really gonna um, be more accessible for moving forward for me. I guess would be a better way to put it. Okay, well that's really good. Like I say, I mean, you everything builds into like your lifestyle and all that. So that's part. I mean, that's a lot of what people like about poker is it's so flexible and you can do it at your at your leisure. So like I say, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be fun to see how you end up how you like this part of it. Yeah, maybe I'll get to chapter one of the tournament masterclass today. Who knows? Oh wow! Well, I know maybe. You, I mean, that's dedication. I mean, this is basically yeah. put Rocky music on. <laughs> well, I guess on that note, this concludes the Text Poker Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time, and we'll see you next week.